0: This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to The Clay Young Show. Fantastic to be back again. Episode 141 of The Clay Young Show here on Podcast 225.com, iTunes, and you can get it as well on the Talk 107.3 mobile app. We appreciate you guys staying with us, checking out the show. Uh, Took a week off, really busy, lots going on, a moment to breathe. And since our last show, so much has happened. OJ has been released from prison. Uh, He was (laughs) released like a thief in the night. The day of his release, because this was just after midnight on October 1st, we learn about this, or actually the evening, that evening was the shooting in Las Vegas, that we are still learning so much about. In my opinion, it was an act of domestic terrorism, and I know that we we parse these words now and play semantics about it, depending on what's in the media. But I don't know how you can call this anything other than terrorism, and this is a mass murderer, and we're still we're still learning about him and. And what was associated with it. I make it my business never to really speculate a whole lot about what was going on. And generally speaking, when we have people on talking about things that have happened, they speak from a position of knowledge. And I try to be careful not to let speculation spin. You know, there was a time in media where it would happen a little bit. And then the Internet kind of amped it up a whole lot. And now with social media, my goodness, I mean, pretty soon you're going to have people out there saying that Bigfoot and the Easter Bunny were his cohorts in this uh, effort. And, you know, not to make light of something so horrible, it's just let's all take a breath and, and let this thing, let the information get out. I think we can all come to one real conclusion. This guy was disturbed and he meant to do harm and he had nothing but evil and bad intentions in his heart. That much we can all agree on. A lot of the other details about this, I think it's going to take some time to determine what the hell was going on with him. And it, it has indeed changed the way that law enforcement will look at these major concerts and major public events already. They're already taking into account what this guy has done. So it was just, it's crazy. And like I said, it obscured OJ. OJ would have been the biggest news story of that week had it not been for this. And I think a lot of people would have preferred to be talking about OJ last week as opposed to what we ended up talking about. It was sad. Uh, Since we last did a show, we had a hurricane come and go. It's been that kind of a season. Nate was supposed to be a big deal. Then maybe Nate was going to be a big deal for Louisiana. And then Nate wasn't really a big deal at all. And some people are complaining about that. And my prescription for that affliction is shut up. We didn't get hammered by a hurricane. You're mad? You're mad, bro? We didn't get hit by a hurricane? Chill out. All right? I mean, I'm glad. I'm happy we didn't get slammed by a hurricane. It's like for people complaining, do you have a television? Can you see what's happening in places that got slammed? Angry at the weather guy because you didn't have six feet of water in your front yard? Holy cow. Let's see, what else uh, has gone on? The NFL has lost its mind, and the bottom line is, it's down to the bottom line. (laughs) And since we've last spoken, the president threw gas on this fire for reasons I don't understand. And now Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, has chimed in to say that his players will stand for the anthem. Now the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, has gotten involved suggesting that the players should stand for the anthem that's a larger discussion we can have about that i haven't talked a ton about it except to you know give you my my thoughts on it but it's kind of become a spectacle now but again that's not what we're here to talk about today well that, that's something we can do on another day we always remind you when you listen to the show to tell your friends about us. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes if you are an Apple user. If you are if you are a non-Apple user, which there seems to be an increasing number of you who, who are not Apple users, you can get it directly at the website podcast225.com. And we appreciate you sending emails, suggestions about shows. I got another one this week that I need to look into that looks like it could be a pretty good guest idea. So we'll track that down. But my email address is clay at podcast225.com. Clay at podcast225.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Clay Young BR or on Facebook forward slash Clay Young. Speaking of which, the American Cancer Society and in their local fundraiser, Real Men Wear Pink, They're Making Strides campaign, I am one of the guys helping them raise money. So, if you go to my Facebook page and you see that page, I'm going to be posting about it a lot because I'm trying to raise money for this great cause. And I hope that you will help me out. You can go to my Facebook page, pull it up there, and click the link, right? Click the link, make a donation, and help out with a worthy cause. How about that? And again, that's on my Facebook page. That's Facebook forward slash Clay Young. And I appreciate the donations made and all of the help that you're giving me and all of the people trying to raise money for this, as I say, very, very worthy cause. In fact, the Making Strides Walk is going to happen in Baton Rouge on Sunday, October 22nd at the Pennington Biomedical Research Center. That addresses 6400 Perkins Road in Baton Rouge. Listen... Breast cancer is something that has touched nearly every family in America and countless families around the globe. And the work being done by the American Cancer Society to raise awareness about this, to raise money, to assist people with it, is just something that we should all be very proud of. And I am honored to be one of the people trying to help them raise money. So, again, get involved. You can Google Making Strides Against Breast Cancer, Making Strides of Baton Rouge, and learn more about how you can get involved. And please, spend the money. Make a donation. I'm loving all these congratulatory text messages and direct messages I'm getting. And I'll tell you like I tell everybody else. I appreciate the thanks. How about the money? Need the money? (laughs) All right, our guest on this edition of The Clay Young Show. Speaking of the money is George Bell, as my cell phone pinks there, is George Bell, who is the CEO of the Capital Area United Way. He is a phenomenal person. He has a very, very impressive background, and he will talk about what the United Way does, but also a perspective on some of the ills of our community. It's, it is... Alarming to think about what's happening in communities around this country, but specifically in the Baton Rouge area where George and his organization is working across uh, a a pair. I think there are 10 or 11 parishes that they serve. And he'll have insight on that. He is also a very, very accomplished musician. And we had the conversation already. I was very, very excited about getting to talk with him. And I hope you enjoy our conversation. And after my conversation with George, we will speak with a candidate for city court judge in Baton Rouge. In fact, and I'll put this out there for people who are interested And coming on to the show to talk about some of these races, whether it be local, regional or national, we would love to have you here in the studio to tell the folks why they should vote for you. And so our guest on this show in a brief conversation will be Janice Miller, who is a candidate for city court judge. All right, so let's take a quick break and we're back with George Bell with the Capital Area United Way.
1: This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your hosts for The Waiting Room Podcast here on Podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and the talk 107 mobile app.
0: This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Back with George Bell with the Capital Area United Way and uh, George and I actually met via first, I think it was no, it was a, it was a phone conversation. It was. Uh, by way of a mutual friend of ours, Jeff LaDuff. Oh, yeah? And uh, he's, he's talked about both of us respectively with the other separately and we got a chance to talk and what was supposed to be a quick conversation turned into almost an hour on the phone you know chatting about a a great number of things and you performed for a group that i was a part of at the time law enforcement foundation at an event in perkins row played uh the star spangled banner and no you played uh uh, america the america the beautiful holy cow breathtaking well, thank you. So, uh, and then, uh, obviously, what you do regularly now is with United Way, but, uh, man, let's start before then. We, we had lunch a, a couple of weeks ago, and you were telling me that you were originally from? Thibodeau, Louisiana. Thibodeau, Louisiana, yeah. and you've done some some moving around working in the medical industry and right. and and, uh, and some other business, too, outside of that, right? Uh,
2: for the most part, it's been healthcare, 30 okay. years healthcare, uh, and I got my start in healthcare in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the Ohio State at the Ohio State <laughs> University. University, right, yeah, right, right, yeah. right, and um, uh, after eleven winters in mm-hmm. Columbus, I uh, uh, had the opportunity to come back to Louisiana, yeah.
0: which is where I landed in Baton Rouge. Yeah, so uh, I've been here all of twenty years. So the work with United Way. So for for most people listening who may not know what United Way does every day, let's give them the once over.
2: Yeah, well, you know, by credo, United Way fights for the health, education, and income stability of every person in every community. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the way we do that, and I like to use the three Ps. Uh, First, you heard the purpose, uh, and and, uh, we help communities uh, improve. We help address those tough issues that Mm -hmm. communities struggle with. Um, And we're one of uh, close to 1,200 United Way agencies across the US. yeah. Um, we are uh, we service a Tin parish area yeah and we are focused on that Tin parish area and, and that's that's our turf. So all the money we raise here, uh, all the work we do here is invested back into this community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are locally governed. We have our own board uh, of local volunteers. So, so it's 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 homemade. It's yeah. it's uh, an organization that uh, uh, is is made up of individuals and folks who are uh, in the community. The other neat thing about uh, United Way is uh, we have all these rich relationships with uh, over four hundred companies that run campaigns. Yeah, uh, and they're all in in this this region or have a presence in this region. Uh, the other thing that's neat about us is. Uh, Uh, We work closely with our volunteers Mm -hmm. who help um, uh, vet those organizations and programs that we uh, invest in. And they give us the direction that we need so that we can uh, make
0: the best use of the dollars that that have been entrusted to us. When you look at this community right now, and Baton Rouge is having similar conversations to other cities around the country about Mm -hmm. the most the poorer parts of communities. Mm -hmm. And you talked about stability. You know, what's your grade for Baton Rouge right now as we seek to strengthen some of the areas that are weaker than we would like them to be? Well, I think that one of the
2: best ways of capturing that uh, come from uh, some research that was done uh, for United Way. Mm -hmm. And it focused on uh, identifying uh, kind of what the challenge is for working uh, the working poor. We we'll yeah. call them the working poor. Yeah. And um, the the area that was, uh, uh, I guess, really, uh, you, you know, everybody's familiar with the poverty level. You yeah. know, approximately one in five folks in Louisiana lives at or below the poverty level. Mm-hmm. But that next tier up uh, is what we call the uh, those folks that live paycheck to paycheck yeah and when you look at baton rouge and combine that group with the poverty we're uh about half of our population falls in what we call asset limited income constrained but employed Mm -hmm. so you combine poverty with that uh alice uh group and uh that total is like i said close to 50 percent yeah uh that is where i feel um we are most vulnerable, yeah. and that data is from 2014. Mm-hmm. So if you fast forward to uh, post-flood, post-2016 yeah. August, uh, you're gonna have a, a a much different picture, and that's probably 60, 65% mm-hmm. of our population falls in that category. So the question becomes, what are we doing to help that population?
0: Yeah,
2: How can we structure policy, how can we create a dialogue about um the mother who uh, the single mother who has uh, two or three kids who's working two jobs mm-hmm. just to make sure that there's food on the table that there's a place to stay and she doesn't have the time to uh, uh, pay for daycare yeah you know so those are the kinds of things that I believe are at the root of some of the the issues and challenges
0: we face as a community. You know, I had some, some folks in here last week from Dallas, and we had dinner and talked about that. And one of the guys said, it's amazing how Baton Rouge as a community has either the comfortable or the absolutely poor and not much in the middle, as you were talking about. So when yeah. people think about the middle class or that buffering level between affluent and not making it, Right. You know, it's it's larger or smaller depending on where you are. But in Baton Rouge, it doesn't seem to really exist. And you can just drive around the city and see that it, it's really nice or not. Right. And, and, Clay, the other thing is
2: that you could be, you know, from the outside, you can look like you're okay. Oh, sure. But um, one car repair, mm-hmm. one diagnosis, mm-hmm. one, um, you know, misstep, uh, one missed paycheck. Mm-hmm. And you're in poverty. Yeah. And that's the the danger of that Alice population and the risk that we run as a a community. It's fragile. So we really have to be, uh, first of all, aware of that. Mm -hmm. And then we have to make sure the safety net that we create for our community is not only just meeting those basic needs, but is helping those families grow beyond that and get beyond just –
0: just getting by how do you build because it is an interesting question building a productive eventually thriving middle class Mm -hmm. and i'll ask that question and then i'll kind of buttress it with how do you inform kids in a way that teaches them the kind of practical life skills that will move them into that second or that third level and keep them out of that lower level well, you know, one of the
2: the fastest ways and surest ways of doing that is through educating them. Right. You know, you help them uh, achieve a higher level of educational uh, performance so that they are in a position when they graduate to make different choices. Mm-hmm. Um, They've got the freedom. Exactly. The independence. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm a big proponent of, you know, with education comes the opportunity to have different choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if we can identify those programs, those organizations that do a good job of providing additional training, additional um, support, mm-hmm. after-school programming, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, uh, and that's the beauty of United Way. I mean, we have this this perspective of being able to look across the entire landscape mm-hmm. of programs, organizations that are engaged in, in work that's making a difference. And we're able to, to invest in those programs yeah. to, to do that in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah, And uh, it's it's all about um, helping those
0: organizations grow and increase their capacity. Do you think there is an oversaturation over-satur- of C3s, uh, 501 C3s in the capital region? And I'm not asking because I I have the data to prove that that is or isn't the case. From your perspective, I would just like to know. Well, and I don't have that data in front of me, but there are a lot of nonprofit
2: organizations. And um, unfortunately, there are a lot of uh, organizations that are struggling, especially now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe that. Uh, the challenge for most organizations, um, nonprofit organizations uh, becomes how do we remain relevant? How do we uh, demonstrate that we can be accountable yeah. for the the performance and for the outcomes that we're uh, seeking to to do and mm-hmm. and like most things, you you're gonna have those that that really shine and mm-hmm. do exceptionally well under that kind of scrutiny. Yeah, and then you have a bunch that that uh, really struggle. and I think that's. That's where we are. There was a time when, when kind of everybody used to be able to to uh, find their place under the sun sure, and and sure. and and uh, operate quietly and, and effectively or somewhat effectively. We don't have that luxury anymore. The the dollars, the donor dollars, the the donors are demanding accountability. Mm-hmm. The donors are expecting us to um, to thoroughly vet those organizations yeah. and make sure that that the investments that we're making are going to to uh, uh, provide the the outcomes that that everybody's looking for and then they're going to want us to to make sure that it's not just for a season it's not just for right. this this but, right. but that right. there's a longer term uh commitment to it so which is why we've gone from one year funding cycles to three year funding cycles for our program.
0: It's so interesting because I've known people who have not for profits here that work in areas of health or and, and I guess that's mostly it. Uh, an organization like Family Road of Greater Baton Rouge that mm-hmm. used to be connected to Women's Hospital, it's separate now. Mm-hmm. There is Star, an organization mm-hmm. that does, you know, sex, yeah. sexual trauma, trauma and awareness response. Right. You know, they they do great work but in ha- and and speaking with them as you say, they talked about the shrinking number of dollars and donors, and it makes them hard. It makes it hard on them to right. be able to maintain and continue the work that they do. Right. What about the, that period in the early millennium when there was so much fraud, and it wasn't just here, around the country, yeah. with people who really made it tough on the reputable organizations like yours? Yeah, and,
2: and I think the backlash there was that uh, people became very uh, skeptical mm-hmm. of of uh, jaded, or, really. J- yeah, 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 exactly. So so the, the onus is on us to yeah. to make sure that we're uh, providing that that um, that that level of confidence mm-hmm. and competence that yeah. people are looking for. And and Clay, it is uh, uh, it's work. Yeah. you know it's it's yeah. not it's not something that comes easily sure but like i said we're very fortunate to have the level of engaged volunteers mm-hmm. i mean these are people from you know engineers to to retirees sure. who who help us uh kind of look at the metrics and look at who's doing what mm-hmm. and come up with uh the best way and the best organizations uh and the programs
0: to invest in. What occupies most of your time during the day? I know that you, you are doing a lot of things and, and touching because it's, it's a major organization. You're touching a lot of people in, in lots of places. But what occupies most of your to-do list?
2: Well, this season, we're right in the middle of campaign season. Mm-hmm. So I will have to tell you it's, it's uh, on the campaign trail. It's going out, making presentations, speaking with groups of employees, it's speaking with donors mm-hmm. individually it's speaking with uh anybody i i, I have the saying uh, and i tell this to my staff and, and anybody that'll listen i'll go anywhere anytime <laughs> any place to talk about the work that united way is doing right. and the impact that we're having so right. we we have to be out there and we have to tell our story mm-hmm. and um and really that's all i ask that's yeah. all i ask that folks give us that opportunity to talk about the work we're doing now uh, as opposed to what they may recall, what they may remember. Because there are a lot of different opinions about whether United Way was, was hitting the mark, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in years gone past.
0: What, what are you hearing back when we talked about the, the invisible middle class and then some of the dynamics of Baton Rouge post flood now, but Mm -hmm. when you are moving around dealing with this, this diverse group of people what are they saying to you about baton rouge that makes you kind of go well i think that the
2: uh in spite of its you know difficulties in spite of its problems baton rouge is still a very good place i agree the people here uh, talk about how they like the people they like the quality of the people they like the generosity of the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, you know, I was just talking with someone that, uh, earlier today, who's not from here. Mm-hmm. You know, came here from Iowa, and uh, she was just telling me that uh, the warmth of the people here—you you, you just can't. You know, you can't uh, can't beat it. You know, Clay. One of the things I I did uh, uh, before. Coming to United Way, I, I worked for Baton Rouge General mm-hmm. and I worked mostly with physicians, managing yeah. physicians, recruiting physicians to the area. Yeah. And I always said that if I can get a, a professional, if I can get a physician to pay us a visit, yeah. to come here, yeah. we had a high likelihood of landing that physician. No doubt. Because the people, the, uh, the food, the, the, war- the food, <laughs> yeah. The, but but the, the overall feel of this, this city. Uh, this region uh, really captures people and captivates them and makes them want to be, become a part of it.
0: I think the work that you do is very important. And I think, you know, there was that long period where it was a big thing with media to go after C3s that weren't doing what they were Mm -hmm. supposed to be doing. And I think that you will agree that that's fine because if you're going to be asking people for money or using grant dollars coming by way of government, you need to do what you say you're doing with it. Right. and I think for groups like United Way, weeding out the, the frauds makes your case stronger for, for what you do. Where do you see this work in the next 10, 15 years? Uh,
2: it's a good question. I, I see the need for this kind of work uh, because of a tightening of dollars from government. Mm-hmm. Um, I also see um, the need because of the growing you know, Alice population that that we talked about, especially in this region, especially post flood. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so you have fewer dollars available from the state, from the feds. You have greater need because of some of the the disasters and things that have occurred. Yeah. So you need somebody to fill the gap. I think we are one of those organizations that can effectively fill the gap in.
0: Give us some uh, examples of, of how you do that.
2: Okay. Well, you know, uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. One is, uh, you know, and this is specifically targeting the, the, uh, Alice population. Mm-hmm. We have a program called volunteer income tax assistance program. Now I had heard of that. They call it VITA. Um, but that program, that's a United way, um, uh, you know, uh, run program now. Yeah. And, um, Last year we did over 6,000 tax returns really free of charge for folks in our region. And the way that works is, uh, you know, these are folks that that in the past may have had to go to someone else or may have gone uh, or may not have done their taxes. I mean, there there were a few of those. But we, we, we make this available, you know, throughout the tax season, and it's all done by volunteers. And we phenomenal. We do these taxes. We give them the best information. Uh, we help them qualify for the earned income tax credit, mm-hmm. which I'll tell you, Clay, in some examples, they were getting, you know, instead of getting a, a few hundred dollars, folks were getting uh, two, three, four, thousand dollars back because of that, that, uh, they, because they qualified for that. And, you know, you think about what that does for the economy. Mm-hmm. So we calculated that we did over, we generated over $6 million in tax uh, mm-hmm. refunds that people received as a result of us doing their taxes for
0: them for zero, zero wow. uh, cost to them. How how much harder is it? And we kind of chatted about this a couple of times, but how much harder is it now after the flood? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: on so many levels. Um, you know, we, well, first of all, you know, we're, th- this is October. Yeah. Uh, October uh, 2017. Uh, the flood occurred in uh, August. Yeah. 14 of, uh, years ago. Yeah. Almost. I mean, excuse me. 14 months. Feels like it. <laughs> feels like
0: it. 14 months ago, almost yeah. to the, uh, to the day later this week, I think we'll be coming up on that, that two month after the 12 month period. And right. And you're right. It's it's something you know, I noticed I'm gonna let you answer, but yeah. I noticed a little bit of PTSD we have here in watching what was going on with the hurricane this past weekend. Clay, I've never seen that level of a freak out from people here because we've been through it so many times. But just as an aside, yeah. Clear it's real. You yeah. know,
2: the 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 fact that folks went through that and for some it's been, you know, this this is yet another one. Yeah. Um th- 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 there, there are folks that are suffering uh, from PTSD, yeah, and uh, untreated, uh, in some cases, undiagnosed PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. So, so mental health is another need that oh, that is yeah. huge in this area, and, oh, and yeah. you know. But, but uh, getting back to to, uh, to to this this issue of uh, you know there. There are folks that are still not in their homes. Mm-hmm. There's there are folks that are still waiting on, um, uh, you know, getting the dollars to to, uh, com- you know, finish completing their homes. Yeah. And and that wait, that that's an incredible wait for folks to bear, this long. Yeah. You know, Fourteen months out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so those are the kinds of things that that, uh, you know, we try to to address. Uh, we were given. Uh, United Way, Capitol Area United Way was, was given a grant by uh, the American Red Cross to um, help 108 people get back into their homes. Mm-hmm. And we uh, are at about 60 homes that are at or near completion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, our goal is to have all those folks uh, that, that we were uh, uh, you know, assigned to, to uh, work with. Uh, back in their homes by the end of this year the calendar year
0: yeah it's and and you know it's funny to think about the people who started the work on their homes ran out of money and just walked away well yeah you have that too yeah and which is which is something for businesses business owners listening for people a part of other organizations who are saying man I really want to connect with this I want to get involved how would you recommend them doing that well there are three ways
2: one is uh, and our preferred route is uh, through donating, right? Uh, through donate, donating directly mm-hmm. or donating uh, through your employer. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, we have over 400 employers in this region that that run campaigns. And uh, I mentioned that that now is campaign season, sure. but that'll run through probably the the uh, mid December. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do have some campaigns that run after the first of the year as yeah. well. Uh, so that's one that's that's one way. Uh, another day, way would be through sponsorship, uh, through sponsoring uh, programs that uh, uh, or fundraisers that that we do as Capital Area United Way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so through donating. Uh, another way is through advocating. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned earlier that uh, you know we are willing to go out and talk to uh, groups of folks mm-hmm. uh, about Capital Area United Way and about the work we do. So, if you are part of a group, part of an organization that would like to have us come out and make a pre- presentation, mm-hmm. um, more than happy to do that. Um, and then, last is is through volunteering. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we do uh, and have the privilege of doing in this this role of of being a connector, mm-hmm. I, I like to think of United Way as a connector. Yeah. We connect resources to needs. We connect. Uh, volunteers to opportunities, mm-hmm. and uh, we, from time to time, uh, are asked to to are called upon to provide volunteers for different uh, activities, yeah. different uh, needs, and um, you know we we have a very strong uh, tie to to our uh, corporate uh, uh, employees, yeah. uh, and and you know those guys step up in a big way yeah. when
0: when called upon. So. That's a big part of, of the whole, you know, uh, package. You know, you said something earlier that I agree with and talking about getting people here when you were recruiting physicians with Baton Rouge general and even meeting people now is how under discussed the, the goodness of the people here really is how, how genuinely warm the people are and how, when bad situations happened, such as the flood last year, how people came to each other's aid, and this was on the heels of the most tumultuous July Baton Rouge had ever had. Right. But people still said, let's help our neighbors. I think there are serious issues that we, we should sit and have honest, unemotional dialogue about. But I don't think we should ignore or disregard the fact that we are a generous Community, would you agree? I would agree,
2: and and I think to that end, um, I think what has happened in the country, Mm -hmm. this polarized state that we're in, uh, I think begs an opportunity to really sit down with folks and have a a very um, honest, candid discussion about okay, Mm -hmm. what is it that that makes us feel Uh, threatened what is it that uh, you know makes us so hypersensitive about our differences yeah and uh, to that end we have decided to um, Capital Area United Way has decided to host a series of dialogue on race sessions
0: I heard about that
2: yeah yeah that's uh uh, for those of you, well, wait there, a minute,
0: y'all have had, no. We're, we're you're going we're, down. So yeah. someone else did something over the, like the next it. year, Okay, over the next year. Alrighty. Uh,
2: and, and again, this is part of the, uh, the beauty of our corporate relationships. Yeah. Uh, Exxon, uh, felt that, uh, uh this was a good time. We expressed interest in doing it mm-hmm. and Exxon stepped up and has given us a grant to actually host, these uh, a series of three to four over the next year and what that means is uh, uh, we'll be putting out information on how to participate uh, mm-hmm. anywhere from 12 to 15 people per session and um, these are six week sessions mm-hmm. two hours per uh, per uh, week and what will happen is my hope is that we create this this opportunity to really, uh, for, for, you know, these leaders and whoever is a part of it to come together and, and really have a, a, a serious dialogue about race and more importantly, how we can better understand each other. Yeah. Cause I think it's through, that's gotta be the goal. Yeah. 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 And, and it's done in a, in a, in a safe environment, sure. well facilitated sure. process. And, and that's the kind of, uh, you know, dialogue that I think will, will produce the, the, the understanding that's needed.
0: It, it, it's so often a worthy, worthwhile effort, but if it's in the wrong environment and facilitated by the wrong people, it becomes an attack session. Right. And it, it only makes matters worse. Right. And, you know, I, I watch kids on sc- school grounds get along mm-hmm. and th- many of them are very oblivious to some of the atmospheric realities that once existed. They just know their friends right. and how they associate based upon all these other categories. And I think you're right. If it can be done in a way, and and one of my, I don't I've never gotten this. I don't expect everyone to agree with me on everything. We won't. And, right. I mean, you and I won't. <laughs> right. right. And so, but that's okay. It, yeah. For me, it's never been a a disqualifier. For, and it seems like now if people don't agree 100%, regardless of which side of an issue they're on, not everyone, but there are those if, if they can't find agreement, you, you're just done with them. And, and I don't think that's healthy. It, it's not. And and what's even worse is uh, not only
2: is there disagreement, but then then there's a labeling of the person sure. that you're disagreeing sure. with. And, and, you know, I just don't think that that's healthy either. I don't think... You dismiss someone because you disagree on a particular topic or particular right. issue right I think it's an opportunity for us to better understand and, and you know it's kind of like a guy who orders fish at a steakhouse I mean <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, wait a minute. Hold on a second here. Uh, listen, now listen, let's just talk about that. Since That's some inside baseball from GB right here. Let me tell you about this guy that ordered fish at, at a steakhouse. He offered that same piece of fish to a buddy of his who devoured it readily there. Yes, that is very odd. I'm talking about the uh, sea bass at Ruth's Chris. Hey, you had no complaints about
2: that. I, look, I'm going to order it next time. I mean, that's how good it was. But I never would have done that. Never would have done My that. My mind was made up that, you know, at that kind of steakhouse. <laughs>
0: like, go for the steak? cow, right? Yeah, yeah and, yeah. and the funny thing is I, I'm there often, and I, I don't think I've had a steak there in maybe three years. Yeah. Because yeah. I get the same thing every time I go to the that hell of good? a piece of fish. It's that the sea bass. But that's, that's you know, and, and with leaders, uh Molding or building consensus, it it does take work. You know, one of my favorite uh, uh, quotes from Dr. King is a genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of, of consent, yeah. consensus. I love that. And I think that when when leaders remember that, that molding consensus can't often be done overnight. Sometimes right. it takes, takes time time. It takes a willing party. It takes a willing, uh, investor and a willing listener for that to happen. And sometimes I wonder what are we teaching the generation behind us with the way that we treat one another? Yeah.
2: And, and I think the other secret sauce there is it takes trust. Yeah. We, we have to get back to the, to the, you know, the very basic, uh, principle of, you know, building trustful relationships built on integrity, built on a genuine desire to not harm each other, but to to, uh, work together towards a, a common good.
0: Understanding. Understanding yeah. doesn't always mean agreement, but right. sometimes we can agree to disagree, but we have a clear understanding. Exactly. And, you know, uh, Cubby says, seek to understand and then and to be, be understood, understood yeah. which is which is very, very true. Yeah. And I think sometimes you can just understand, well, that's someone's point of view. I don't agree with it, but, yeah, but I see where you're coming from and ease on down the road. Right. But, man, social media has thrown gas on the fire of attacking one another. Yeah. It is becoming unhealthy to an epic level now the way we we dialogue with one another and it's a shame it is it is and so well what give contact information let people know how they can uh, get more information about the capital area united way obviously you know how to spell all those words so that and they fit nicely on a check so you could write a check make a donation do. but how can people get more involved well
2: and i'll give you one particular uh, opportunity coming up here um uh, This Thursday on uh, October, what is it, uh, 12th, is it? Yes. Yeah. We will be uh, uh, hosting our 30th annual Jambalaya Jam. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, last year was my very first, and, Clay, I was blown away at uh, how much fun this event was. It's held downtown uh, in Baton Rouge, and uh, we bring together this year we will have 44 teams uh, competing, uh, cooking uh, jambalaya. Oh man! And uh, so from five to eight, folks can come and uh, pay one price and eat all the jambalaya you can <laughs> oh, you can oh, handle. Uh, we're gonna have a uh, uh, a band there as well.
0: Are you gonna play? Uh, I'm not going to play. Okay. You know, this is this
2: is for me. This is just uh, you know get to mingle and to, to socialize. You might uh, need to
0: work off some of those carbs from the, from the jambalaya. Huh? I'm telling you, man. And and,
2: uh, and and this is you know the way this works is uh, uh, over the last month to month and a half, yeah. uh, different companies have done their own jambalaya jam cook-off. Hmm. and the winners from The uh, local uh, company cook-offs are the ones that that show up here for the uh – jambalaya jam nice. so it's a big
0: deal yeah uh they're judges and everything and uh, i'm not one of them so i think somebody it, called me and asked me to do maybe it wasn't this one it yeah. wasn't at exxon last year was it or someplace near exxon uh was but exxon did, involved they, so then they, they that, do their they, own okay they, they have their and own and i had a conflict and i'm i'm boy i just i said what would that be like judging jambalaya all day long man yeah With god it's got to be a happy time though if you're out there <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's
2: pretty fun. It's pretty fun, but but it is a a wonderful event, uh, and it's the kind of event that uh, kind of brings out the best in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we're going to have uh, you know all the teams out there. We're going to have a lot of you know music. Uh, the the Chiwis, Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah, group we'll Called the Chiwis. popular
0: group around.
2: That's there, what man. I hear. Yeah. That's what I hear, and uh, we're going to have. Uh, a VIP tent as yeah, well that yeah. uh, is going to be sponsored by Baton Rouge General, so mm-hmm. so they'll be uh, there present. Um, the tickets are fifteen dollars. Uh, so that's fantastic, the, very all the, reasonable. Number. Yeah, 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 it is, and, and uh, you can feed the family and uh, that's, that's, that's exactly <laughs> eat as much that. as you want. <laughs> um, and 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 uh, I think you know the other thing about this, you know, this is thirty years, yeah. so we we really have made our mark with this event. It's become a signature event of, of ours.
0: Uh, and, you know, it's growing on me. The Capital Area United Way. Go eat some jambalaya. Thank you, George. I appreciate it, bud. Got to get you back My in welcome. here when LaDuff's here one time. Too. That would we'll, be fun. We'll cut up a little bit in here. That would be fun. <laughs> Thank you, bud. righty. Up next, a conversation with a candidate for city court judge. Janice Miller is in the podcast 225 Studio next promote your business or organization on podcast 225.com podcast 225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for louisiana listeners every month thousands hear the weekly clay young show every week clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. Brian, you consult with couples all the time, couples on the edge of retirement, and the issue of life insurance pops up. How much should the spouse making the most money have? Well, you know, first we start out, how much is his income? Mm-hmm. And if someone, lady, ran over your husband, it's called human life value. Yeah. What is his life worth? Mm. So it's called loss of income. So so how much life insurance should we have on him? Okay. The average person does not have enough. So that's to spin it a little bit. What if you ran over someone's spouse, and they sued you for human life expectancy, mm-hmm. two, three million dollars? You don't have that money in the bank. Right. Uh, we need to protect you against that loss. It's right. called defense. Let's play some defense. It's called uh, liability protection policy. I got in a car accident uh, two years ago, and they sued me for a half a million bucks. Quite frankly, they got the insurance money, not mm-hmm. my money. So let's mm-hmm. get some disability policy, some life insurance policy that see how much is enough for your husband. Look him up at BrianLoweFinancial.com. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with Janice Miller, who is a candidate for city court judge in Baton Rouge in Division 2E. I was saying Division E a second ago. She said 2E. There are six candidates running for that office, of which she is one. Uh, Janice Miller is a nurse and an attorney. A nurse and an attorney. So clearly she's gotten this time management thing worked out because she's got time to do all of that. So why on earth would someone who is is so credentialed in these two areas of profession now want to do something else?
3: Well, I really feel, Clay, that um, running for this seat, Mm -hmm. if it had been an incumbent there, I would not have. Okay. But I really feel like... For me, and my point in life, yeah, it has to be a calling, yeah. And I really do mean that. And um, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to share our time, our talents, and uh, our treasure, right? Um, but I feel like I can do the community a great service.
0: And and what? Explain what you mean in what regard?
3: Well. I'm going to tell you what my vision is for city court, mm-hmm. is that ultimately, you know, we can have a collaborative group to come together, yeah. uh, establish a mental health court, mm-hmm. which is very badly needed. Yeah. And from my background as a psychiatric nurse, as well as an attorney mm-hmm. with the mental health advocacy, the need is extreme. Yeah. And, uh, Across it, the country it is, as a matter yes, of fact. Yes, it is. Yeah. And we have 30 sister states mm-hmm. that have mental health courts. There's no reason that Louisiana should not have one. Mm-hmm. And I really think that it should be within the walls of city court yeah. because they already have a sobriety court.
0: Yeah. Well, when you think about the way the, the local courts are working now as it relates to crime, there is much conversation about length of sentencing for habitual offenders or in the case of someone who has done something that is you know, really violent being back on the streets in under three years. There doesn't seem to be any real middle ground on finding a way to keep the really bad people off the street versus you know, some of the other things you're talking about. What's your, what is your feeling on that?
3: Well, I'm going to just share with you. We were at the meeting that the mayor had on last night and um, bringing in community to talk about issues Mm -hmm. on how can we help our community. And really, uh, juvenile court, Mm -hmm. city court, and district court, they are all disconnected. We need to have some continuity so they are connected because what we uh, discovered on last night was that Uh, A lot of the patterns of criminal behavior starts in the teen years. Mm -hmm. And if it's not taken care of, then you're going to have... um almost a vicious cycle yeah. and those are the ones who become the habitual offenders i spoke to a mother on on last night for at length mm-hmm. and her son was recently killed yeah and she said i mean we were talking to the police officers as well but she said she called the police on her son so many times mm-hmm. and he was 16 and they did nothing she wanted him to be locked up to but that's save not his what they life. but
0: but so And that is where the middle ground is. So I was out in Brookstown a couple of weeks ago and just kind of meeting some of the people there. And they talk about some of the young people there who are really out of control. Exactly. And police will come out, they'll pick them up, and then they'll end up back on the streets. Well, that's a judge issue. All police can do is arrest people. So, again, how do you go... Uh, uh, these issues are larger than just locking kids up and they start a lot earlier than the age at which they can go out and commit these crimes but as a judge you can only be responsible for the things under your own purview how do you address that though when people are saying I don't want to speak up about what I see happening down the street because this kid who did something was back on the street in less than three years and he retaliated against anyone who spoke out against him so the reason that there is this no snitching policy is because you have repercussions if you say something and the, and some of these kids who do this stuff find out you spoke up. What do you do about that?
3: Well, in the court system, uh, the judge who's adjudicating that case mm-hmm. really has to, sometimes you can't make uh, uh, just an instant mm-hmm. uh, decision right. on which way it should go. Maybe it yeah. needs to be taken under advisement yeah. so that you can think about How can we help this young person as opposed to just locking them up? Can they be rehabilitated? Mm -hmm. And what are those avenues and what are those resources in the community Mm -hmm. Uh, so that he doesn't become a danger to himself and others? But parents are actually crying out because they don't have any control of their children. The streets are actually taking over and being the parents. No question. And it's all negativity. And you, what you have is a 16-year-old. Then you have a 22-year-old. The 22-year-old has more control over the 16-year-old than the mother who's probably 35 yeah. or 40.
0: Yeah, if that.
3: And uh, drugs are involved. Yeah. Um, Gang-banging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that our culture, when you have all of these games that... Um, where children can shoot and yeah. practice, they already, they don't have to go to a shooting range, yeah. you know, really and truly. They learn that from this, um, these uh, Xboxes yeah, and, yeah. And, and all of that and from social media as yeah. well. Everybody's flashing money and they're <laughs> flashing guns. Yeah. So what do we do as a community? Yes, a large part is on the judge when they come before you. Mm-hmm. And you have to make that uh, you know that decision. That's why being a judge is very important. It's a different skill set than being an attorney or mm-hmm. advocate on the other side.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's the way you say it is is spot on. So l- let me ask this for people listening to you now: What is something about yourself that we have not yet spoken about that you would like people to know?
3: I'd like people to know first of all that. Uh, I've been an administrative law judge for 10 years plus. Mm -hmm. I've also trained at the National Judicial College, which is in Reno, Nevada. And of course, all judges ultimately go through that training Mm -hmm. on how to conduct fair and impartial hearings, Mm -hmm. okay? And when you, when I say it's a different skill set, as an attorney and you're going to to uh, trial as a prosecutor mm-hmm. or if you're handling civil cases or other types of uh, criminal cases, that's not the skill set as a judge right. because you're doing whatever you can to represent that client, mm-hmm. to keep them out of jail, get them out of trouble, whatever else, as the judge. The scales of justice, Lord, the lady of justice is who I like to talk about. Right. She has a blindfold on. That's on for a reason. And that's so that she doesn't act out of bias or stereotypes yeah. or any of that. But hear what has to be said by the litigants with that blindfold on and then make the best possible decision possible, Mm -hmm. not only for the community, but also for the family because Mm -hmm. you're dealing with real people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what's your web address?
3: My web address is com, And you can call me at 225-250-9525.
0: Is that your cell phone number? Yes, it is. Oh, dear Lord. All right. So. Just blow me up.
3: Blow me up. Blow so. me up. I don't want it going to go into the campaign headquarters <laughs> at this time. You know, we're right at election day. I need to talk to
0: you. Uh, call, call her about the campaign and the <laughs> candidacy. All right. Nothing else. All right, y'all, back to wrap up just after this. And now today's Manners Minute.
1: It has been said there are ten things money can't buy. Manners, morals, respect, character, common sense, trust, patience, class, integrity, and love. Let me repeat. Manners, morals, respect, character, common sense, trust, patience, class, integrity, and love. My mother always said it's not what you have that matters, it's what you do with what you have that matters. When I was born, she owned one dress when she found a much-needed second job selling appliances. She starts her dress and polished her shoes every day. She worked on her vocabulary and helped her fellow employees and served her customers well. She became a class act filled with all the attributes on this list, respected by all who knew her. Give your children an inheritance worth more than money. Mind your manners, morals, respect, character, common sense, trust, patience, class, integrity, and love.
0: Welcome back to the Clay Young Show.
1: Two good conversations,
0: two impressive people. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Don't forget, again, tell your friends about us. Bring the numbers. Check out the latest edition of the Waiting Room podcast and stay tuned for information on other shows coming to podcast225.com. If you think you got what it takes to host your own show, You want to get in and get it done? Shoot me an email, clay at podcast225.com, or you can call the offices of CYE 225 214 1550. Until next time, when our guest on the show will be Paul Arrigo and Michael Day. Paul Arrigo is the CEO of Visit Baton Rouge the Convention and Visitors Bureau of the Capital City, and Michael Day, who is the president of the Raisin Canes River Center in downtown Baton Rouge, they're our guests on next week's Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another
1: edition of The Clay Young Show.